You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For those of you listeners who know my background a bit, you might remember the stories of my first few jobs after college. From being a mall cop to selling makeup door to door, I realized that I had skills that were being underutilized and that these minimum wage jobs couldn't support me or last forever. I spent years going through YouTube, reading books, listening to podcasts, and taking enough online courses to reinvent myself as a professional copywriter and digital marketer. Years later, thanks to my side hustles and drive, I've worked with national news outlets, multi-million dollar tech startups, nonprofits, and celebrities to build their brands and drive sales. None of this could have happened if I didn't develop in-demand skills. I had to do this alone, but you don't have to. You have Hustlers University 2.0. Hustlers University 2.0 is a community where you can learn real skills to earn money online today, starting with side hustles you can use to elevate your game. I'm not just an advocate for Hustlers University. I'm also a student. Every professor is verified to be making 10K to 500K monthly in their selected field. You get full resources, lesson plans, and an active community of thousands of other Hustlers University students working on skills such as stock analysis, cryptocurrencies, e-commerce, copywriting, which was my favorite course, one I actually went ahead and took last month. And as a copywriter of seven years, I even took a ton out of that, including some of the resources I was able to take over to my day job. You also learn freelancing, financial planning, affiliate marketing, business management, and so much more. If you're tired of depending on a boss who hates you to deliver your paycheck or have learned since the lockdowns that controlling the source of your income is vital to your individual freedom, sign up for Hustlers University 2.0 today using the link in the show notes. I'll see you there. It just kind of worries me a little bit when 
the time they want to go ahead and jump in always corresponds to a stock market crash or a bull market or a um, recession. I mean, there's just no way around it. Bull market, not bear market. Why, Why do I say that? Because when it's always when you hear about these stocks or these cryptocurrencies that go from, you know, a dollar to ten dollars in a matter of weeks, and everyone is like, "Oh, I, I, I need to get in on it. I need to go ahead and jump on it." The market is going up, 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 and before you know it, it drops down to nine dollars, eight fifty, and a lot of people are like, "Uh." I don't know if this stock or this coin is really worth it, but here it's it's going higher and higher. And then for like a day, it's at eleven dollars, and then you're like, "Damn, I could knock, I could, I could, I could grab a like a thousand percent profit. This is insane." That then it drops back to eight fifty, then eight dollars, then seven dollars, then six fifty, and before you know it, you're down to three dollars, and you're like, "Shit, I I should have sold it a while back," and, and you just keep going. Through this, you're you're making these impulsive decisions, and um, ultimately, more people are going to lose money than they'll ever gain. And so, some of you listening listening to this might think, "Well, you know, I I jumped into Floki Coin or something else, and I made a X amount of profit from it. Therefore, I'm pretty good." Listen, for those of you that have been listening for a while, you know that the first time I really jumped into the market with a good chunk of my savings was in March of 2020. That was when the stock market was crashing during COVID. And I got very lucky because it was like a blue light Kmart sale. And by December, I went ahead and locked in the largest profit I've ever made from from trading. The, the goal at the time was not to day trade. I wasn't day trading. I was going through some uh, career transitions and I needed the cash because I was uncertain about what I was going to do. So instead of, um, you know, relying on my cash savings and and relying on my investments, I went ahead and liquidated my Robinhood portfolio to go ahead and lock in my gains. Now, because I got lucky one time, does this make me, freshman investor, a great investor? No, I can absolutely tell you, thousand percent. I made more mistakes investing than most people have even tried when it comes to how to work and grow their wealth. But I've made a lot of great decisions through those trials and error. I never, however, thought that because I went ahead and locked in a large profit one time, that that made me a great trader. And that was one of the really difficult things about um, about uh, the, uh, the, the the apes, the Wall Street apes, Wall Street bets, when they were trying to save um, AMC and GameStop. You had a lot of people that were making a lot of money really fast, and they, they didn't have respect for it. And they thought they could just do that over and over and over again. They could jump into these pump and dump schemes. But the truth is, statistically, more people lost money over time. Every every dollar that those impulsive people ended up making, they ended up losing two, three, four, five dollars in in the long term. They they were buying things they didn't understand. They were going into investments based off hype. They they were going based off impulse and less about what makes sense for a long-term investor. 
This is why you'll never hear me ever talk about day trading. If you want to learn how to day trade, if you want to learn how to how to spot trends in the market, if you want to learn how to invest smarter, not harder, there's a, a stock trading course over in Hustlers University. Use the link in the show notes to go ahead and sign up for that. That has certainly helped me as we have been uh, seeing red on Wall Street the last couple months since February when Russia invaded Ukraine and now everyone's portfolios are down like 20, 25% or something like that. But, uh, you know, there, there's always a time. Every day is somebody's first day as an investor. Uh, good day or bad day. It, it really doesn't matter. Every day a new investor is made. And today, and this is what kind of jumps into this episode, today I went ahead and encountered multiple people asking, I've got cash. Where do I put my money? Uh, I, I'm, I'm worried about the recession. How do I protect my wealth? Or I locked in X amount of profit. What do I do with it? Because I've liquidated my position on this thing because I don't, I don't really trust it anymore. Um, a lot of people are thinking just about the next, let's say, a year. Uh, the, the 2008 recession lasted quite a while, whereas the recession, uh, they, they won't call a recession, but I'll call it a recession, the recession of 2020, which was absolutely 100% man-made. Um, that, that lasted uh, about a year and a half. Some people would argue that we're still in it and that this upcoming recession is simply uh, a bigger drop in, in the current one. Either way, what, whether you should stay invested, whether you should start investing in one thing or another, you, you got you to gotta change the way you look at the situation. I, I look at it like this, eating. You've had really good meals, right? You, you've, you've been to, you know, um, what's that steak place, you know? You, you can't compare an Omaha steak to a McDonald's quarter pounder, right? They're just two different things. One is really great. One is really bad. But I bet you've had good and bad meals, right? Sometimes by choice. You know, you're in the middle of nowhere. You're hungry. You're going to stop by that random place and hope that the food is good. And then you're disappointed. And sometimes you stop somewhere and it's great. You're like, oh, I just discovered something awesome. I got to come back to this place. You got to remember this place. Instagram it. Recommend it. Throw it everywhere. Tell everyone how awesome this is. Other times you, you go somewhere expecting things to be good and things just aren't good. But you've got to eat or else you're going to be hungry. Now, assume your baseline is you've got to eat something. Okay, it's you're always going to eat. The way you should see your money and where you're putting it, regardless as to whether the meal is good, is what is one thing you can do to soften or improve the situation? What am I drinking? Well... You know, if you want to be safe, if you want to be healthy, if you want to never be disappointed, water. But, you know, maybe, maybe you want to have a beer with it, maybe some champagne, maybe a Coke. Based off where you're at, based off what your priorities at the time are, based off your tolerance, based on what you like and what you don't like, you're going to make decisions based off the circumstance that you're in. Now, I, I've... I've got this episode that I've been sharing around quite a bit. It was how to prepare for a stock market crash. I went ahead and put that out in January. I can tell you right now, that episode, I think it was uh, episode 180, um, that, that episode, I haven't changed my investing habits. 
I, as I mentioned on Monday, have I consolidated some stuff? Have I left some positions and consolidated stuff into stuff that I really trust? Yeah, absolutely. Have I put a little bit more money into precious metals than I have cryptocurrency? Yeah. Did I go a little bit more into real estate? Probably. It, 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 it doesn't matter what the market is doing. What matters is, am I taking advantage of certain opportunities? And I can certainly tell you, I was doing the math with my wife earlier tonight. And other than um, the, the stock market crash of 2020, this month alone, I have invested directly into the market more money than I have done, I think, uh, ever within a 30-day period. When I just look at a one-month period, and the month isn't even over. I, I don't plan on doing anything more for the rest of June, but that could change because uh, I certainly wasn't prepared to, um, you know, use a good stockpile of cash to jump in to certain opportunities, but I did. And here we are because, you know, you, you like it when your favorite things are on sale, right? Well, why don't you see stocks that way? Why don't you see certain cryptocurrencies that way? Oh, my wealth is crashing. I saw Dave Ramsey do, a, do an impersonation of somebody who's, who's just like, oh, everything, I'm losing money. Everything is just burning and going to hell. And it's like, no, it's not. You only lose money if you sell. And, and here, on, on the run listeners, you're not, you're not day traders. You can be. I don't recommend it. I certainly don't recommend learning it from people who have to make you buy 12 courses, you know. Some of you are probably thinking, well, you were pitching the Hustlers University stock analysis and trading course. Yeah, that's one course where you've got community of people learning together and you've got expert professors showing you what's going on in their portfolios. That's different. That's community. That's not a, that, I mean, that, that, that's not a swindler situation. Very, two very different things. But wh- where were we? Most of you. 99% of you are long-term investors. You're looking at this 10, 20, 30, 40 years out. And at the same time, a lot of you are trying to achieve financial freedom while you're still relatively young, while you're still relatively healthy. You've got two mindsets. What are you doing for you when you're retired? And what are you doing for you right now? My Robinhood portfolio is for me right now. My crypto is for me right now. What's for me at 65 is my Roth, my 401k, some of my other mutual funds, my precious metals. Those are are for 65-year-old Remzo. Okay, that's going to be me when I'm retired. I'm taking care of myself tomorrow. I'm taking care of myself today. It doesn't change. Whether things are really awesome or whether things are really bad, it doesn't matter. But what should you consider specifically as we look at a recession. A few months ago, stock market crash. Now we're looking at full-on recession. What does that mean? Four horsemen of the apocalypse, uh, you know, uh, peace in the Middle East, alien invasions, everything. Yes and no, not really. It, it just means that things are about to get really tough. And when you go ahead and combine inflation, um, uh, supply shortages, stagflation, you know, less supplies, more demand, less labor, higher labor wages, it, it just creates the, the shitty situation we're in. So 
I, I went ahead and found an article from Nerd Wallet. This came out on May 20th of this year. This is by Chris Davis over at Nerd Wallet. I'm going to go ahead and read this, provide my thoughts throughout. Uh, I will go ahead and leave this link in the show notes so you can go ahead and check it out later. I highly recommend you do. Uh, a lot of these principles are things that I've discussed over and over again. Sometimes it's just good to hear it from somebody else's perspective. And like I said, I'll go ahead and stop throughout and add my thoughts. And uh, once again, you can go ahead and listen to this in the show notes. After You can go ahead and read this, in, uh, find the link in the show notes. You know all that stuff. I don't need to repeat myself this time. Anyway, what to invest during a recession by Chris Davis over at NerdWallet. There's no such thing as a recession-proof investment, but some stocks, funds, and strategies could help your portfolio better weather an economic downturn. The recession alarms have been sounding lately due to a sharp rise in inflation and a similarly sharp downturn in the stock market. And while investing in a recession can be frightening, it doesn't have to be unnerving if you know what to look for. Choosing what to invest in during a recession will first require you to consider your personal goals. Are you looking to A. Minimize the risk an investment will will fall in price during the market volatility. B. uh, Maximize long-term returns. C, create a source of fixed income. And D, invest in the stock market while prices are low, also known as buying the dip. Those are all good options. It's just about what, what options you want. Um, and, and that's that, that kind of goes with that, you know, what are you, you know, whether you're eating a good meal or not, what are you going to drink with it? You can at least choose something to kind of soften it. That, that's kind of it. Um, that, that's kind of where they're going with this. So. Building a portfolio that incorporates all these strategies may be ideal, but successfully tackling any of them could have a significant positive impact on your financial future. Take a look at the below considerations to help you put together a plan that's right for you. Sectors that tend to perform well during recessions is the first big part. Companies that sell sell their shares on the stock market are broken into sectors. Sectors are groupings that pertain to the type of business the company engages in, and there are 11 sectors in total. Uh, One, communication services. Two, consumer discretionary. Three, consumer staples. Four, energy. Five, financials. Six, healthcare. Seven, industrials. Eight, information technology. 9 materials, 10 real estate, and 11 utilities. Now, during a recession, some of these sectors of the economy tend to outperform others as consumer needs shift. Uh, you know, let's let's pause for a second. Who, who was it in, in, in the early days of COVID that did really, really well? Uh, 3M? 3M got huge. Johnson & Johnson, Pfizer... Um, all those did great. Now, what were things that came about specifically because of the lockdowns and everything? Um, you know, what were we all using to talk with each other? We were all discovering what, um, what Zoom was. We were all discovering, uh, all these different, um, you know, communication technologies were. That was big. Peloton did really big. And now I'm pretty sure that Peloton's going to go bankrupt by the end of the year. But that's neither here nor there. Um, During a recession, some sectors of the economy tend to outperform others as consumer needs shift. Uh, Delilah Fernandez, a certified financial planner and owner of Fernandez Financial Advisory in Los Alamitos, California, says both the healthcare and consumer staple sectors are examples of this. 
A 2021 study titled, Is Healthcare Employment Resilient and Recession-Proof?, found healthcare hiring remains stable in spite of economic downturns. One indication of how recession-proof the healthcare market was even before the pandemic-related downturn. The healthcare sector includes biotech and pharmaceutical companies. The consumer staples sector includes food and beverages. Household and personal products even include alcohol and tobacco. These sectors typically don't see the rapid growth that others, such as consumer discretionary, also, you know, this includes household goods and services that are considered more like wants than needs, such as apparel, restaurants, and luxury items, or information technology might see in a rebound and recovery phase of a recession. Quote, in any downturn environment, we often look at consumer staples, and those are the usuals, the groceries we buy and the stores we buy them from, says Fernandez. Because no matter what, you're buying toilet paper, you're eventually going to go to the doctor, you've got to eat, and you've got to drink. These stocks are considered defensive stocks. They might not be as attractive during boom periods like a bull market, but bear markets and recessions may be the time to reassess and consider the companies that sell items everyone buys, no matter the outside circumstances, Fernandez noted. The most recent 2020 recession was the shortest on record. I'm going to contest that. I don't think it ever ended. I think it just recovered slightly and it is, uh, it, we're, we're still in it and we're going to see what happens next be called the real recession. But the reason why, and I promise I won't talk more about the lockdowns right now. The reason why I say it never ended is because we went ahead and inflated the economy like crazy with fiat money. We went ahead and bailed out a whole bunch of businesses. We went ahead and uh, sent the American consumer uh, multiple stimulus checks, which also created giant wealth transfer between the working and middle class over to large corporations. And while we were at it, we went ahead and closed down uh, th- hundreds of thousands of small businesses throughout the United States that will never return. And we forced the greatest economy that mankind has ever seen to literally halt. So, of course, this is us taking our medicine. We never exited a recession. We were simply in a different part of it. Um, Healthy companies overall. If you're interested in investing in individual stocks during a recession, you might look to options in the sectors outlined above. But that's not the only criteria. Low debt, profitability, Strong balance sheets and positive cash flow may all help a company get through difficult economic times. And and I want to note something with this. Just because you see a big company, uh, you see their stock go down, you got to ask yourself, are people buying less from that company? Is that company making a profit or not? Is that company laying people off? You have to divorce what you see in the stock prices from what the actual picture is. It's not completely independent, but more often than not, it, it kind of is. So, you know, I, I um, you know, well, let's look at one of my favorite stocks. One of my favorite is Realty Income. The, the ticker symbol is O. Uh, what I love about Realty Income is they give you a monthly dividend. Now, Realty Income owns a lot of uh, commercial real estate. One of their big clients is Walgreens, CVS, stuff like that. Do people stop going to CVS and Walgreens? Did, did people stop buying those things? Did those um, businesses stop ever paying rent? No. 
Whether Walgreens and CVS is doing good or not doesn't matter to realty income. Somebody's still got to pay the rent. So they, they continue to do fine. So even though their, their stock price went down pretty significantly at one point, it wasn't a reflection of how realty income was doing. It was, some, it was just a reflection of where the market was at the time. So you have to see them as not completely divorced. Uh, I'm sorry, not, not completely divorced from each other, but not completely like because of X, Y is happening. There's, there's, a, there's, a, there's a middle ground there that you have to consider. Um, uh, Fernandez says, you're going to look at the big guys that are going to get through this downturn and thrive and thrive. So how do you identify those companies? One of the best places to start is to do a free stock screener. If you already have a brokerage account, there's already likely available on the brokerage's website. Here are some staple criteria to set in your stock screener. Set the market capitalization to large cap or larger. Large cap stocks are shares of some of the largest companies in the U.S., generally with valuations of $10 billion or more. These companies tend to be more stable during volatility and have lower risk of going out of business. Do you think Apple's going out of business anytime soon? Do you think Coca-Cola, Pepsi, you think any of those guys are going away? you think Booz Allen Hamilton's going away? Don't think so. Set the price performance. This is how you'll find individual stocks that have performed better than the market overall. First, you'll need to determine the performance of a broad market index, such as the S&P 500, for a specified period. To find the stocks that have performed better this year, set the price performance filter in your stock screener to show anything above the performance of the S&P 500 from the last year. Choose common stock. If you have the opportunity to filter for security type, select common stock to keep things simple. And then lastly, select the sector. Here's where you can input the consumer staples or healthcare sectors discussed above or any of the others that you might want to look at. You can also opt to filter for stocks with positive dividend growth. You understand if you've been listening for a while, I'm a very, very avid dividend investor. If you're not making money while you're asleep, as Warren Buffett once said, you're going to work until the day you die. And having a good dividend, uh, porf- you know, a good portfolio of good positive dividend stocks are going to help you through thick and thin. Um, Increasing dividends consistently can be a sign of financial strength and discipline, healthy balance sheets, and a consistent cash flow, all factors that can help companies withstand recessions. Be aware that this filter will limit your options to only dividend stocks, but it should present some of the more established companies that may be better to endure difficult market conditions. This doesn't mean that companies will always be strong in their recession, however. Always keep in mind that this past performance doesn't guarantee future results, that these are data points that might inform your eventual picks. Now, mutual funds that track specific sectors. If you know me a little bit, you know that I love mutual funds. Investing in funds such as uh, exchange trade funds, ETFs, and low-cost index funds is often less risky than investing in individual stocks, something that might be, be especially attractive during a recession. ETFs, mutual funds, think of it this way. Instead of buying shares or fractional shares in a bunch of different companies, you just buy one share. Uh, OUSA is my favorite. O shares uh, quality dividend. Um, you know, SPY, uh, QQQ, VTI, VOO. 
Um, those are all examples of different types of ETFs, where basically this one ETF goes ahead and collects and has shares in a bunch of different companies. And when you buy that one ETF, you're owning a little slice of all those companies. So that way, you don't have to feel like you're ever putting all your eggs in one basket. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good way of describing it. Um, uh, so they're often less risky than, than investing in individual stocks, something that might be especially attractive during a recession. Investing in funds gives you exposure to specific baskets of securities rather than just a single investment, such as an individual stock. In times of, of a recession, this is the one way to invest in several companies in the most resilient sectors while avoiding concentrating your risk in any one company. If one company and a fund performs poorly, the strong performances of the other companies can offset the losses of the underperformer. For example, if you wanted to invest in consumer staples companies, you could look at shares of Vanguard's Consumer Staples ETF or the Consumer Staples Select Sector Spider Fund. These funds emerged from the Great Recession bear market down 29% and 27% respectively, while the S&P 500 was still down 50%. So we're talking like 2008, that period. Both these funds include holdings in Procter & Gamble, Coca-Cola, Pepsi, Costco, and a host of other staple, staple companies. Most people aren't stock pickers, Fernandez says. Uh, most people are going to do better by buying an index fund of something and letting the index fund serve its purpose. Uh, next section, fixed income and dividend yielding investments. I have a good feeling about this one. I think I like it. Investors typically flock to fixed income investments such as bonds or dividend yielding payments such as dividend stocks during recessions because they offer routine cash payments. Like that realty income I was telling you about earlier, uh, uh, stock sticker is O, um, stock ticker is O. You get a dividend every month, every month. I think they're like the only ones that do that. Um, others will pay you quarterly. Others will pay you, uh, uh, you know, every six months, every year. It just depends on the company. Um, dividend stocks are shares of a company that splits a portion of its profits with all of its shareholders based on the number of shares each investor owns. Investing in companies with a strong track record of paying and increasing dividends can lead to stable cash flow even during recessions. So think about that. It's, you're going to get it regardless of what the market is like because these companies have to give some of the profits to investors. Um, another option is to invest in dividend ETFs, which comprise of companies known for routinely paying strong dividends. And while these payments can be taken out as cash and used as income, there's another factor that makes dividends more appealing during times of volatility. According to Margarita Cheng, a CFP and CEO of Blue Ocean Global Wealth in Gaithersburg, Maryland, um, she says the benefit of investing in dividend-paying stocks, mutual funds, or ETFs is that the dividends can be reinvested. So what I do for, you know, let's just talk Robinhood, for example. What I do is I set my dividends to automatically reinvest. So each time I get a dividend payment from any of the, any of the um, stocks I invest in, my app goes ahead and automatically reinvests it. So I don't have to think about it. It's automatically going in and it's getting me more and I get more dividends and my dividends reinvest and I get more shares and I get more dividends. And then it just creates this awesome, like it's, it's like printing money. It's the closest thing that a regular person can get to literally printing money. 
Um, Even if the value of your stock is down because of the conditions, the reinvested dividends lower the volatility. Cheng explains, uh, let's say the stock market is down 10%, but that stock you have pays a dividend of 3%. If it gets reinvested, you don't experience as much downside. When searching for dividend-paying stocks, it's important to note that the yield shouldn't be the biggest determining factor, as the highest yields tend to come with additional risks. Rather, look for consistency in paying or increasing dividends, which is indicative of a good corporate governance. Bonds and many bond funds are similar in that they make periodic payments over time, but the mechanics are different. Bonds, whether issued by the U.S. government or corporation, are essentially a loan. You give a specific amount up front to the company or government, and in return, you receive interest on the amount over a set period of time. Plus, you don't sell the bond before it matures. At the end of the period, you'll get back the initial amount you invested. In some cases, you might also choose to sell the bond to another investor on the secondary market before its maturity date. The difference between corporate and government bonds are explored in depth in this article. They've got a hyperlink that can go ahead and uh, explain more of that to you. Uh, To wrap things up, above all, don't panic. Panic sellers always lose twice. You you, you go ahead and you, you lose the money you invested, but you lose all the potential gain from the future if you just held it. And then what's going to happen is all the rich people are going to go ahead and buy back shares of their own companies. And then when the, when the bull market comes back and you see it's doing fine, guess what? You're going to go ahead and buy it again at a much larger price. Don't be stupid. The article wraps up. Recessions and volatile markets can be frightening times. But if you're investing for the long term, what's most important is to keep an even keel. In many cases, the best thing to do may be nothing at all. Trust the market's resilience and the diversification you've built into your long-term portfolio. Folks, I'm not a financial advisor. Nothing you hear on the show is considered financial advice. You can't sue me, bro. But the one thing that I tell you throughout everything is increasing your personal capital, increasing your skills, bringing multiple streams of income so that when you're in situations like the one I was in recently, paying, paying the bills becomes something you don't even really think of. Because now, regardless as to what happens to you, you've always got money coming in because you know how to tap into that. You know how to acquire it. That is what's going to build you better throughout periods like this. And if you don't believe that riches are made in recessions, you really need to to look into that. I won't go into it now, but I see this being an amazing opportunity, not just on the investment front, but on your opportunity to make money in new and creative ways. Um, If you want to go ahead and learn how to go ahead and build additional streams of income that don't require you driving Uber or delivering for DoorDash, if you want to make some real money, if you want to tap into it while just sitting in your boxers at home, Hustlers University can teach you just that. You can go ahead and find the link in the show notes. Go ahead and sign up. If you don't like it, and I've had to tell people this, 30 days, uh, you know, you get a 30-day guarantee your money back. But so far, nobody that has signed up has left. In fact, they've stayed for not just one month, two months, three months. The average Hustlers University stays in for six months or more. I know that. I've been one for eight months. That's Hustlers University. Use the link in the show notes so they know where you're coming from. 
But it, it, what what if you need just some individual attention? What if you need somebody to really you know hold your hand, guide you, understand your your specific situation, where you're at, where you want to go? Go ahead and uh, message me, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. You, you all know how how to find me. Let's go ahead and schedule a consultation call. Let's go ahead and figure out where you are, where where you are, where you want to go, the skills you have, the skills you want to acquire, and let's go ahead and make you some money. Because that always helps people. And if you want to go ahead and help the show for the price of a firm handshake, go ahead across Al Gore's amazing internet, find the show on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify. Leave us a five-star rating and review. You'll go ahead and get 100 karma points. That's a pretty good deal, isn't it? Money for nothing and chicks for free. I'm Remsa W. Martinez. Thank you once again. I'll talk to you later in the week. Be safe, be good. Good night.